Hey guys, Jack here. A couple of announcements, which really could all be summed up by the simple message of head to our website, justhandspoker.com. There you'll find our strategy blog, uh, where we have our three new series running, uh, including one that accompanies this week's podcast on in-depth analysis by Zach. You'll also find information about our upcoming event with World Series of Poker main event champion Greg Raymer. We have a new video explaining in greater detail than ever before this event, so please do check that out. Also, you'll be able to do things like sign up for our mailing list, uh, which includes a free episode of our premium podcast series. Uh, There's a lot more there, too, including, of course, the ability to send us your hands to have us talk about them on the show. All right. Enjoy the episode, and we'll see you next week. Hello, Jack. Hello, Zach. How are you doing on, I guess, what is uh, a lovely Monday afternoon for you and a chilly Sunday night in Dublin for me? <laughs> uh, it's good. The, the weather's been nice in Ohio. A little rainy today, but sun's coming out. Uh, how's the trip going? The trip's great. Uh, I've had awesome weather. Apparently, it's like supposed to be always rainy here at this time of year, but it's been you know, totally beautiful. Uh, so, so can't complain. And I, I have gotten to play a little bit of poker, uh, while I'm here. Oh, and I've, I've actually got a hand from the session I played in London. Cool. Let's, let's hear it. Yeah. So it was an interesting experience. Uh, I played at a place called the empire casino. It's not what I've heard, uh, is the best casino in London, but it was, pretty convenient for me it was right at leicester square uh, which was by where i was staying um a place called the empire casino which is somehow associated with caesars but i wasn't able to use my rewards card uh so it's it's sort of like a little independent card room it's in the basement uh like you you walk into the casino and instead of going through a casino they just kind of send you to a different place uh and it's it's not very fancy at all uh, maybe 12 tables uh, but it was a, it was a nice room, uh, really really good atmosphere. A lot of young people, uh, more young people than I'm used to at a one-two game, and one-two was oh, the wow. biggest game in the room. So, and it's one-two euro, so it's effectively what's the exchange rate? You know better than me. Uh, it was about one point three to one, so I guess it was like one thirty-two sixty. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the 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 hand the hand I'm sharing is actually it it kind of addresses a a small stakes question that sort of looms over us all as thinking players, but we don't have to address it very often. And you'll you'll catch my drift pretty soon. I'm not giving very much away. That's a uh, man. That's pretty intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> Click clickbait right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, they've already uh you know if you if you guys are still listening to this uh. Hopefully you are. You're you're probably in it for the long haul. So maybe we'll have to move that up front. But you know, I'm the editor, I'm pretty lazy, so probably won't happen. Anyways, uh so this this occurred about maybe a round in. And so you were allowed to buy up to the uh largest stack, but the largest stack was pretty big and I didn't have that much uh, cash. So I just bought in for 400 pounds, which was slightly less. 
And mm-hmm. I had one, a decent sized pot. So I was sitting with about 500 pounds. So the main villain in the hand, the only villain really, uh, limped under the gun plus one. And I'd only seen this player limp. I'd seen him limp several hands. And the one thing sort of noteworthy about this villain to me so far, sort of a middle-aged Asian man, very talkative. And there was one hand where he bet on the flop. I can't remember at this point exactly what it was, other than the fact that he had a six for a gut shot straight draw that he exposed in great disappointment when everyone else folded. <laughs> so that's all I know so far. Okay, so how long have you been at the table for? About a round. And I've probably seen him limp, I would say, at least four of the hands. Okay. Um, and what's this person's stack size? Around my, around my size. So around 500 pounds. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think if... Oh, and how, how many people at the table? It's nine-handed. Nine-handed. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's kind of significant if you've seen four limps and just nine hands, you know? Yeah, well, uh, I, it's maybe been more like, you know, four limps and 11 or 12 hands. Uh, okay. I, I'm definitely not pegging this guy as having, like, a tight limping rage. Uh, I'm expecting him to limp call a lot. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, you, you can't... Just because he showed a, a gut shot uh, with, you know, exposed the six with great disappointment and has limped four times, I think you could be pretty confident that this is, you know, he's somewhere on the spectrum of, like, somewhat loose to very loose, but you can't, you know, make any super exploitative adjustments that he's, like, really crazy or really loose just based on that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. So right now I'm playing with a bit of suspicion, but definitely I'm not going to do anything crazy. No crazy adjustments. Especially since I haven't actually seen him, you know, flip up any hands. Yeah. Okay. So... That player limped under the gun, plus one, and it folded to me in the big blind, and I'm holding kings. Okay. So I raised a 10. Uh, the raise sizes at this casino were somewhat smaller than they are at American casinos. Yeah. Uh, but I still felt like I could definitely get away with a sizing of 10. Uh, so no one else limped? No one else limped. Okay. Yeah, I think 10 is good. And you definitely, when you're this deep with someone, you really want to err on the side of making sure he calls the vast majority of the time. So, you know, I, I think both of us most of the time are going to go for a larger sizing, uh, you know, with our uh, raising range here. But I think given you have such a premium, it's okay to take this kind of exploitatively, you know, small bet size just because there's so much value in this person calling. Well, honestly, I don't think this is a very exploitative sizing. I actually think this is, if anything, exploitative in the other direction. Based on the other sizings players were using, the fact that I'd only shown down one hand, uh, you know, being ace-queen, so uh, I don't think I look particularly... Weaken this spot, which is it's, it's theoretically a reason to raise larger, but in practice, in an exploitive way, uh, I don't think it's a reason to raise larger in this spot holding kings. 
Anyways, uh, I think we yeah. agree, though, uh-huh. that 10 is probably a good sizing here. So this guy said something along the lines of, you know, you, we, we could have just gone to the flop and you had to raise. And he thinks for an appropriate amount of time, an amount of time where I didn't think to myself, you know, that, that was quick or that was very, you know, labored. And he made it 30. Okay. So what are you thinking? So this is a tough spot. I mean, like, I think this person's range is very strong and you're blocking kings. And I'm not sure, I'm not really sure I see that much value in four betting here because I think, you know, this player could conceivably fold kind of your value targets of like, queens and jacks or maybe even ace king um and then you're put in a very difficult decision if he five bets all in probably you don't have to fold where you had a hand that would be perfectly good to set mine slash decide so yeah i think i'm calling here and thinking that this person likely has a very strong range and isn't getting too out of line well i I'm not super happy with that, and I'm not necessarily. I don't necessarily think you're wrong, but I'm definitely not happy with it, because we're. I mean, we're holding kings. We we have to think. You know, this player is only continuing with aces like a really high percentage of the time for it not be to correct to four bet here out of position, and I. I don't know if I'm ready to like make that leap. It's not that. I mean, th- there's two things. I, I'm not sure that against a random player kind of at this stake that they're, you know, balanced enough in their five betting range in this spot, you know, limp free raising and then five betting the four bet that we could profitably get it in with Kings 250 big blinds deep. And then I also think that in these types of spots, I've seen players, you know, fold like reasonably strong hands. Like I think, one of the first podcasts we did, I some guy Yeah, I remember actually that. yeah, similar described player, middle aged Asian player who talked a lot, uh, who I've seen limp call and fold a lot of flops up to that point, limp re-raised me with queens and I four bet tens for value and he folded them face up. So again, that's just one kind of data point. But in my experience, there's been a lot of times where I've seen people like limp re-raise or like three bet a hand like tens or jacks or queens only to fold uh, to a four bet even from like a very aggressive player. So I just don't think there's enough value in, in four betting here and I think there's a big risk of getting blown off your hand because I'm not comfortable getting it in here with these stack sizes and the the amount of information you have. Yeah and I wasn't comfortable getting it in either. Um you know, with stack sizes, I felt like if I four bet, I'm I'm four bet folding to a jam for sure. Um, okay, so so we agree that his five bet range isn't balanced enough. Then the question is just like, you know, what is he doing with queens, jacks, tens, ace, king, maybe even eights or nines to the four bet? Right. And what percentage is his limp free raising range that? Because I'm not I'm not willing to say that his limp raising range is only aces. There's some players who you can make that statement for, but you know we don't have enough information to say that yet. 
But I do think it's definitely weighted towards aces, especially because you have kings, and without information, I think most of the time players do this with aces and kings, and then occasionally, you know, queens or or jacks. I think it's likely, first of all, if I do four bet, which I know I did, I'm not going to four bet huge. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I four bet to 80, basically thinking that I'm just looking for value from worse pairs, ace-king, and if he's got some, you know, more random, questionable hands, which I think is possible. uh, Definitely, yeah. Then I'm leveraging a bit of fold equity and also getting some value. And I, I don't mind getting folds from some of these hands that have decent equity out of position, deep, uh, against a player I know very little about, mm-hmm. uh, in a spot where I'm going to be giving him a lot of credit for aces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this spot is still a question mark for me, which is sort of disappointing because it seems fairly routine. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. Flatting here seems just very conservative. Like, you have to be missing some value. Uh, against the majority of the field. I mean, for sure there's certain, you know, just ungodly tight players uh, that even if you don't have much history with, you can just kind of recognize it, you know, where this is an automatic uh, flat. Yeah, I mean, that's just, it's just not my experience with the player pool, you know. I think people are really overfolding their queens and jacks here, so. Really? Yeah, I mean that again. That's just based on you know my personal experience with the types of you know type of player you described here and what I've observed at the table. When I've been the limp re-raiser, when I've been the person in your spot, I see a lot of people open folding those types of hands in these spots. Hmm, that's surprising to me, but I mean it's obviously evidence towards flatting, and if that's true. In these situations, that definitely simplifies things, which I think is just generally a decent thing to have things be a little simpler. So I think I'm pretty okay with that. Uh, and for what it's worth to the listeners, like when this person makes it 30 here and we're 500 pounds deep and we've observed this player play as described, I basically don't really have a folding range here. You know, There's like some aces, ace-x hands that I'm folding maybe that are unsuited. But when we're this deep, even out of position, and it's only 20 more to call, um, you know, I'm definitely calling with every pocket pair here, suit connectors. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably, that's probably right. Uh, it's, and just mean, it's an, a little I, ambitious out of position since the depth of stack uh, doesn't help us out of position. Yeah, but we still have an SBR of like nine something, you know, which is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good, um, but it's it's better for the imposition players. All I'm saying, of course, but we're you know we're we're making I'm making an assumption that you're going to have a really large skill edge here, given the fact that you've seen him limp four times in eleven or twelve hands, and you know legitimately look uh, unhappy about his gut shot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just another another thing towards flatting here is just that. I really think there's just so much value in seeing a hand with this guy deep, you know? 
And like, ev- even if he, let's say, ha- his limpery raising range here has enough, like, queens, jacks, maybe even tens, nines, ace, king, that, like, against this exact player in retrospect, you might have been missing some value. I think given the lack of information and your stack depth and, you know, how rare it is to be in this position, 250 big blinds, deep heads up with a really strong hand against a very weak player, I think that's more of an argument to be more conservative in this spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as played. Mm-hmm. So as I said, my plan is to four bet fold to a jam. Yeah. Complicating the situation, I do get five bet, but I get five bet rather small. Uh, I get five bet to 180. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, my my first reaction is to is to fold as played. I know that seems like really nitty. It's just with the information as provided, like, and my sample of playing with people like this, I don't see people getting out of line here. You know, especially against someone who's only shown down like a good hand and has been here for an orbit. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably folding. I know that sounds really nitty, uh, but yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm not sure I like folding. I'll tell you what I... I'll just give you the rest of the hand now. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what I did. And I don't like what I did at all. I didn't five bet or six bet. What I thought to myself, and I think I was thinking a little bit optimistically, is that this raise seemed small. I thought if this player was holding aces, sometimes... Some players are just going to be jamming with aces. I think if a player is somehow light here, it's more likely that they're going to choose this sizing. Mm-hmm. I also think if a player is ever light here, a player who would be light here is likely to jam when check two on most flops. So the plan, which I, to the listeners, I do not like this. I, do, I regret this. So keep that in mind. But my plan was... Rather than six bet with kings into a range that's you know polarized such that I basically have a bluff catcher, I decided I would call in on a favorable flop, call the jam. What I prefer now, having thought about this, is to treat this as a sort of really awesome set mining hand where, you know... I'm calling a hundred to I have almost three to one on this call and still about three hundred pounds behind. So when I hit my set one in seven times, that gets me pretty far towards this being a call. And I think I can justify the rest of the equity with the times that this player checks behind. I don't think what I don't like about my assumption was that this player would be always shipping. I don't think that's true. I think when this player checks back the flop, we are often going to be ahead. And I don't think that we should fold assuming that... Unless we are assuming this player always has aces. And I'm personally not comfortable saying that. I think this player sometimes only has aces. Sometimes this player has hands like aces, kings, queens, jacks. 
Sometimes this player has a very strange and wide range. So I prefer calling basically to set mine and evaluate on the flop. What do you think about that? Yeah, I just... If you had another two hundred, both another two hundred pounds behind, I would agree. I just think it's a little ambitious, and that this person's range is still very heavily weighted towards aces. Like I'd, I'd feel very comfortable saying this player has at least eighty percent of aces. Eighty percent of the time, this player of aces has aces. Um, and if I were to think about it a little bit more, I would imagine I'd probably arrive closer to a figure, like ninety percent. But well, hold on. So if this player, so we're calling a hundred to. If we hit our set, you know, we're probably getting all the money in, right? Yes. So we're calling 100 to win 300 plus... 100 to win 600, basically, right? Um, 300 in the pot plus the 300 he has behind. Yes, yeah. That's pretty far towards, you know, being correct just to set mine. Do Do you think he's... I mean, if you, think you could bluff him, often? if you think you could bluff him off aces a small percent of the time, then I think it's a call. But that, you know, I just can't imagine this player, like, really folding any flop. Maybe, like, you know, if the flop is monotone, he doesn't have the suit and the turn puts a four flush out. The, you know what I mean? Like, Well, well, I don't, I'm not necessarily... I don't think we're getting that equity from bluffing. You're um, just getting that equity from the free cards? No, I'm getting that equity from the non-aces that give up. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's... I don't think it's. it would be like a big mistake to call. I would just... Uh, and I, I think I'd have to sit down and like really think about like what this player's... Um, like range composition is more specifically and what types of board textures their non-aces would give up on. But I, I, I imagine that it's still probably a small mistake. Well, also, the, I mean, this player sometimes might have kings uh, and it might get checked down on like an ace-high flop, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there is, you know, there's, there's six aces combos uh, and one combo of kings. Yeah. So assuming he plays his kings like this, which seems likely, right? I don't know if I would give him the full combo, but you can at least half a combo. Well, I think if we think this sizing is more likely for uh, non-aces combos, then I I think the number of combos you have to rival, uh, the number of combos of kings you have to rival the aces suits a call favorably. All right, I don't think there's any reason for us to discuss this more. It seems like it's probably pretty close between a call and a fold uh, until better evidence is presented, which might happen very soon, as our very own Zach Resnick, who I am currently engaged in deep, thoughtful conversation with, is going to write an in-depth analysis on this very hand to be published on our website, justhandspoker.com slash strategy uh, this very day. So if you listen to the podcast... That analysis should be up. And if it's not up, it'll be up very shortly. So remember to check that. Anyways, so yeah, Zach, I punted off my stack. Uh, he had aces. Flop was queen high. Um, and, and he shoves? Check shove? Yeah, check shove. Uh, and then the table sort of berated me, but it 
Uh, I ended up making some friends out of it. And then the, the session really turned positive for me. Uh, I, I got some really nice reads on a bunch of the players at the table and had a really fun time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm returning to the States soon, so hopefully I'll catch you on the floor of the Jack Casino or elsewhere. Cool. Hey, guys. Jack here in post-production. Uh, I forgot to mention while we were recording the episode, uh, actually a funny story happened with this same villain at the same table. So the exact same situation came up about you know a few hours later. At this point, both villain and I were like, 800 pounds deep, and I'm in the big blind again. He literally limps again. I have aces in the big blind. It folds to me. I raised a 10 again. Villain says, I like playing with you. Three bets to 30. I make it 80 again, and he folds tens face up. So that sucked. Uh, and maybe I should have flat it there, but I thought that was funny and worth mentioning to you guys. All right. See you next week.